Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker, I'm back with a new guest co-host. All season, we are discussing the concepts introduced in my book, The Secret to Being You, using brain science and the nine acknowledgement languages to unbox your Enneagram. You are going to love the perspective that I've been getting from different people who are at different points in their personality wellness journey. You're going to notice that it doesn't really vary that much in the big picture, which is actually comforting if you've ever been overwhelmed by the Enneagram or any other personality tools. Now, in part one of my conversation with fellow podcaster and author and Enneagram coach, Kim Eddy, we are talking about how the Enneagram helps you with your self-awareness and what to do with those layers that you're peeling off. And then in part two, we are talking more about relationships and the dynamic of what you can control and what you can't. So let's get started. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so let's get down to business. Today, I am here with Kim Eddy, Christian Enneagram coach. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am really excited to be here again. Like, this is fun. Thank you. Well, um, tell the listeners just a little bit about you and your podcast. 
Yes. So I am a Christian Enneagram coach. Like you said, I am always nerding out about the Enneagram. Like I always love to talk about it. So I started a podcast called Christian Enneagram podcast because I just named things simply. I don't know. (laughs) It works well for me. Um, And there I just talk about the Enneagram. It's a lot of fun. So we're here um, discussing just an overview of the book of your take on it as an Enneagram coach, how you think it might help other people who are new to the Enneagram and also people who have already been exposed to the Enneagram, how, in your opinion, this book will help them as well. What was your first reaction? Well, first of all, I've never read an Enneagram book that had so many stories and brought to life kind of some of the ways that we really do process our world and we kind of move through unconsciously, like we're kind of asleep to life and being able to wake us up and show us like, oh yeah, that is how I react. Or yeah, that is how I, uh, there's reasons behind this and not just me thinking that I'm making wise choices or doing the best thing. I'm really just kind of unless I'm careful, reacting to life instead of responding to it. And so being able to bring that to life in a way that people can um, see so clearly, I think is, is really so helpful, you know, because it oftentimes we approach the Enneagram from more of like a clinical or a framework and in that can be helpful, but there's also a lot of beauty and depth to approaching it from from kind of story or perception of this is, this is probably how you're moving through life. And let's put words to that. Let's put understanding to that in a new way. And so that, that, I think that's what I, what I loved most about it. What was the story that kind of gave you that aha, like, oh yeah. I think it's mostly in, in just how you couch the teaching in words that make so much sense. Like it feels like you're having coffee with someone and they're, they're kind of speaking your language a little bit. It feels like everything is interwoven in conversation as opposed to um, a presentation. Does that make sense? It does. And that's a really nice compliment. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because one of my, I guess, goals, I'm not sure if that's a goal or not, is Well, I know I I wrote it into my bio. I just want to be known as the fun, relaxed mom that you can hang out with and have a cup of coffee and just sit and chat and be nerdy and be yourself and it'd be okay. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's the impression I got. I could come to the book wherever I was at and I wasn't going to feel like um, I didn't know enough or I knew too much. Like the book really meets you where, wherever you're at. And I think that's important in a book that is there to help you grow because we all come at it from different places and from different, um, perspectives on life or different understanding of the Enneagram and being able to have a book that meets you wherever you are Mm -hmm. and helps you kind of relax into understanding, I think is very important. Like it's something that's needed. So. So is this your first exposure to the nine acknowledgement languages? It is. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Refresh me on some of them though, because (laughs) it was my first time reading it. And so I'll have to like, tell me a little bit about it. Well, see, I think that's good that that's your reaction um, because I want the listeners to know that, that, you know, we're Enneagram experts, right? And this is 
some deep stuff. <laughs> it's some heavy yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. so if you're reading the book and it doesn't make sense right away, that's totally okay. Um, in fact, I, I do believe that it's absorbed easier with people who are new to the Enneagram than for people who are already, um, who already understand the language and that kind of vocabulary, because it's almost like we have to unlearn it to relearn it. And that's exactly what happened to me as I was developing them. Uh, I was like, oh, well, their centers and their stances, but no, that's not how we actually need to look at them. We need to look at the actual components that create the centers and the actual components that create the stances, which make them more robust, which make them more, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Practical uh, when it comes to not just typing yourself, but actually growing from each of these points. Because you know, in, in our certification process, in our training, we learn about these things, you know, we learn about the feeling center and the head center and the body centers, right? But we don't always learn what that actually means, right? Like practically, what it means practically. And so the nine acknowledgement languages are these primitive components of your centers and of your stances, Uh, those triads. And the first four are the components of your centers and how you process information internally. And the last five are derived from the stances where you have your external processing, your external reactions, like your social style and your your pace style and your timeline focus. Uh, And your blind spots too. So blind spots being your timeline blind spot and your center's blind spot. Looking at those together really help if you already know your type, really help you understand your type on a much, much deeper primitive level. And if you don't know your type, it can give you clues of what types you can't be. So it really helps with the process of elimination. Yeah. And I think that's what I liked about it because it did give, it gave a new lens to look at the Enneagram itself, because it's not like, oh, you're this type. So you're like this. It's like, no, we process and we move through life. And there are, like you said, kind of these primitive things going on that you can't just understand that intellectually. You have to kind of look through and live through and understand what's going on, on all the levels, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just, uh, you know, I think sometimes we, when we're, when we're teaching the Enneagram, we come at it from the thinking center, thinking that's where we need to, that's, that's where we need to help. We need to understand first, then we can embody. But I think that what your, what your book helps with is like, no, let's understand how you're embodying your type already mm-hmm. and, and look at that path to growth from a much more holistic mm-hmm. way. Like, how are you already using these centers? How are you already processing? Um, And let's learn from what you're already doing (laughs) instead of like forcing someone to think through when when they're processing with their body or whatever, this new new information. It's the whole unboxing thing, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's unbox it. Let's open it up. Because I think where, where people get stuck oftentimes is if they... If they start with a test and let's say the test tells them that they're a type six, 
just randomly pulled that out. <laughs> and because that's in the thinking center. And then they start viewing their world about how they think, 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 think. And, and the anxiety behind that, because that's associated with the type six. And the truth is, is that we all think because we all have a brain and we all have anxiety because what are our core motivations made up? Core desires and core fears. And so it's really unfair a lot of times when we go straight to a test, get a number and then assume it's us <laughs> and then only filter our world through that profile, which is very conscious aware. And so much of our person, like the majority of our personality is unconscious. And that's the part where it's kind of a catch 22. <laughs> you know, it's like, as soon as you start thinking about it, you have to question yourself, well, is that really me? Or is it not really me? Uh, because our true personality comes out when we're not thinking about our personality. Yeah, exactly. Because mm -hmm. as soon as we start thinking about our personality, we start adapting because the average behaviors of our personality are not necessarily attractive or <laughs> not necessarily what, what we want. I th I'm thinking, you know, because I'm a seven, one of my average behaviors is being hyperactive and indulgent. Well, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a seven, like other people think that's might think the amount of energy that I have is becoming. Um, but then there's other people who think it's unbecoming, right? And as the seven, it's a lot of times that it's what gets me in trouble is when I'm hyperactive and indulgent. But what I'm learning is that it's just average. That's just who I am. And it's not healthy or unhealthy, but it's what I do when I'm on autopilot. It's just my tendencies. I think that's probably been one of the, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like makes you rest. I don't know. What word am I thinking of? Are you thinking yeah. like relaxing or? Kind of um, relaxing. Like um, just gives me a little bit of peace. I guess. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. A little peace yeah. of mind. It eases, uh, it eases the anxiety of wanting to change yourself. <laughs> Right. Which is, right. which is not what the Enneagram is about. The Enneagram is about kind of freeing yourself to, to more, you know, like, like unboxing, unboxing who you are without any judgment of how you tend to be. And I do think that there's a lot of, a lot of times people think that they don't have a choice of how they respond or how they react. And it's the Enneagram that really shows you that you do have a choice. I'm not saying that that choice is going to be easy. <laughs> you know, um, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I must be a healthy fill in the blank. I must be a healthy seven, or I must be a healthy eight, or I must be a healthy four because this is how I behave. And the truth is, is if that's coming easy to you, then that might not be your number because because our growth number is hard. <laughs> it's hard to do that. And so a lot of times we have to check ourselves. Like I, I say that it's moments, like we have healthy moments because we have secure moments and we have stress moments, but we can have healthy moments under stress as well. Right. Right. 
Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now, you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. Yeah, and and that's why um, when I'm coaching with the Enneagram, I I introduce that spiritual component because there's a lot to it that um, has to do with what we believe, the bigger beliefs that we hold. And sometimes those can cause us stress because we're setting our beliefs as a standard. A little bit of our ego the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about life, but also that deeper um, understanding of our, our place in the world and our place in the universe and how we answer life's big questions. All of that informs how we grow, what we perceive as healthy and how we perceive or understand our impact on the world and other people. And all of that comes from in many ways, like the unaware, right? The unconscious informs how we move through life. But as we become more aware, we can see and make choices and kind of align what we're doing with our bigger beliefs about life's questions, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and have a better, clearer picture of of what healthy is. Cause I think each type has this, this unaware picture of what healthy is, and we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're there. Um, you know, like a type two might be like, as long as nobody's mad at me, I'm healthy, you you know, and that's an oversimplification, but all of, all of us can fool ourselves into thinking that we're, we are in a good place when in reality, we're still asleep to the growth and freedom available to us. Right. It's kind of like the dying to self, right? The, yeah, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's dying to self. That's not fun. <laughs> right. And it's, it's difficult. Hard. Growth is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And, and that fooling is that blindness of like, when we say, I, th- I think I'm a good person, but we know we make mistakes. We make mistakes every single day. Yet we still, we still can fool ourselves. Well, I'm basically a good person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in those, those ego 
centric and by, by ego, I mean like the stories we tell ourselves, some of us inflate our egos, some of us deflate ourselves using our ego. Um, but it's very, very difficult to have a clear picture of who you are and how you are and who you are in relation to other people. All of us are just constantly telling ourselves stories about those things, making up answers that help us feel okay. And a lot of that comes from our main Enneagram type. The stories that we tell ourselves come from uh, those, like, what, what, what was it that you called it? The personality stool, the tripod, the tripod. Yes. Um, a lot of the stories we tell ourselves come from that, right? Um, those core motivations, you have to remind me what they are. Core motivations, core values and core strengths and core strengths. You said at one point, like we're so close to it. We can't see the problem. Um, Mm -hmm. and you were talking about yourself, I think in that story where you just recognized yourself as someone who is very people oriented and can help people see, uh, the bigger issue around what they're so close to, like they can't see the forest for the trees and you're able to kind of point out the forest, like, look, we can solve this problem easier. Um, but, but just like you said in your book, like it's hard for us to see what we're so close to and what we're inundated with and we start to believe these stories about ourselves. And that's really what our ego is. Yeah. Personal growth is hard to do in a bubble. It is. Mm-hmm. It is impossible actually. Right. Because um, That's why we need coaches. Even coaches need coaches and community, which is really, in my opinion, is the ultimate purpose for the Enneagram is community. Even though I've said that is not a relationship tool. It's a survival tool. But if we're not surviving, we can never even be a part of community. Like learning how we survive and how to do that in a healthy way is what allows us to come into community with a purpose, with our strengths, with our values, and fulfill the work that we're supposed to bring into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and if all we're like you said survival is a piece of it because you can't thrive unless you're surviving. But if we stay in that survival mode all the time, then we aren't bringing anything or getting anything from our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there can't really be this reciprocation because you're just focused on, even though you may not be aware of it. Um, how can I keep on living right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause this was something that actually got edited out of the book. <laughs> And so I can throw it in here in this episode, (laughs) but when, when I'm talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, and I kind of simplify it to survival needs, social needs, and self needs, but really how, how Maslow has it is first, it's your physiological needs. Like you need to be healthy. Like if you are sick, That's kind of the definition of not being safe. Your body isn't safe. It's busy repairing. It's your body is spending energy in repairing itself, trying to heal itself. And therefore there's not enough energy for you to maybe even defend yourself if you had a physical attack or to offer anything to anyone else. So you, we can't give, we, we have to give from our overflow. We can't give from an empty cup. And so that's that baseline that Maslow says, the the physiological needs. And then um, 
above that is the safety need. So if we are going to be physically attacked or, or whatnot, but that's also like work, like your business or your career, um, that's financial security, right? That's something that has to be laid down too. And how many fights and relationships have happened over financial troubles or financial yeah. instability. Uh, and so if that could have the, the focus that it needs, um, and sometimes people focus on financial situations, not even realizing that there's a physiological situation that is kind of precluding that. So after that comes your social needs and the social needs is about family and belonging. And this is where attachment styles come in, which is not a part of the Enneagram. I do kind of bring it up in the book a little bit, but attachment styles are, is an overlay of your personality and is developed based on those early relationships that are formed um, while you're developing in childhood. It's those relationships, love and belonging that help you create the self-esteem. Like we don't have, we're not born with self-esteem. We, we rely on the world to inform us of ourselves. If you look at child development, right? It's like the, the peekaboo, like <laughs> the whole peekaboo happened is, is because they don't really understand object permanence. They can, babies can look in a mirror and they don't really understand that that's them. They just think it's another baby. And so we rely on other people and other relationships to teach us like, no, that's, or experience, right? That's, that is you. And it's the, it's the respect that we get from how other people esteem us at, at the beginning and then seeing the discrepancies as we become our own person, as we understand what our core values are and how, how we understand what our strengths are and, and what motivates us, that we start to be able to develop our own self-esteem. And so a lot of times what happens is that if we didn't get that early on, that to me, that's considered a trauma layer. And that is the reason why people are constantly seeking outside validation uh, because they didn't get that. And so when people bring that into the Enneagram, it can really mask a lot of things as to what is your core personality. And layers are layers. I mean, what comes on in layers comes off in layers. And so what I really want to do, I want to bring to the attention of people how common mistyping is, but that it's not necessarily a bad thing because right. that might be a layer that just needs to be peeled off. So it just, it might be a type nine layer that needs to be peeled off because of an attachment style, because of a tradition, a, a family tradition, or the culture of the country or, or whatnot, a layer that needs to be pulled off. And that's, there's no harm in that. There's no harm in right. that to, mm -hmm. to in, when it comes to digging. Um, the harm is, is if you don't dig deep enough, then you're not going to reach your full, full potential. You create an identity with a layer instead of recognizing it as a part, a nuance of you that is not, um, and not at the core of you, but it's, yeah. it, you're getting closer, but some of us are like, I'm close enough. That's, that's the core. <laughs> and we don't right. look any further. And yeah. what that does is it caps how high you can climb your ladder, basically. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't, if you don't get all the way to the root, 
to the core, then it caps how high you can get. So the deeper you can go, the higher you can go. And so, you know, I thought I was a four. It used to be embarrassing. It's not embarrassing anymore because that year or so (laughs) that I thought I was a four, I processed a lot of emotions that my type seven would have never processed. But because that year when I thought I was a four and I was like, oh, type fours are really good at feeling their emotions. Uh, I played the part and was able to process a lot of emotions that I had neglected. And I'm a better person because of it. And I'm a better seven because of it as well, because I realize sometimes too late (laughs) that I am neglecting something negative or I'm dismissing something um, or slapping a silver lining on something that um, probably doesn't have a silver lining. It's probably gray. (laughs) It's probably a gray lining. (laughs) Um, And realizing that, you know what? Jen just call it duck a duck process it and you can move on. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had continued to believe that you were a four, even to now, you probably would have experienced less growth because you wouldn't have the understanding and awareness around that. Oh, that was the gift that that year gave me. You might still be, um, kind of, kind of stuck in not recognizing how believing you were a four informed growth in you as a seven. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I totally get it, but, but the layer needed to be recognized for what it was. Sometimes I think that we think we need to take off all these layers, but really it's about just recognizing what they are, how they interact with who you are and understand, um, how they inform you as a person instead of being like, oh, I need to take off the layer that is my attachment style so that I don't have one anymore. No, that's not what it is. It's just understanding what the layers are. So you can choose, um, and recognize, really be aware of what needs healing and what maybe provided healing when it was needed. Uh, what was a bandaid and what was like a, a beautiful gift. And, you know, all of these things can be multiple things at once, but just understanding how everything weaves together into the tapestry that is you rather than feeling like all these things need to be peeled away and removed. Mm. Like, I know that's not what you're saying. Um, but I think sometimes when we hear layers, that's, that's what we think we like, we're like, Oh, I need to take off this overlay and take off that overlay. And no, they all, they all have an, they're all an important part of who you are. Some of them need healing um, because some of them were caused, like you said, by trauma or difficult circumstances. Some of them just require processing and some of them just require us to understand how they interplay and interact and how they came to be so that we understand ourselves more fully. And like you said, can make healthier choices from a conscious place and not just react and thinking we're being as healthy as we can be right all in all, I'm pretty good. Right. But there's so much more healing that can take place. And there's so much more growth that can take place as you start to understand and recognize these layers and how they came about, like where they came from. So, and, and, and that's part of what I like about the book is it, it goes beyond, like you said, what the Enneagram is. And it's like, this is a part of you. This could also be informing some of that. So be aware, like do what you need to do to be aware of these other pieces um, and not just slap a number on yourself and, and 
process life through only that lens now, as if that's your only option. Yes. So that that's one thing that I loved about the book too. Thank you for, for pointing that out. The trauma layers. So a couple of episodes ago, I told the story about this essay that I wrote about life being like a puzzle. And that's how I see the trauma layer issue. They're just a piece of the puzzle. You don't get rid of them because then you can't, you can't finish the puzzle if you get rid of them. So yeah. I love mm-hmm. that you said that it was a story that didn't make it into the book. It'll make it into my next book, I guess. <laughs> but I, um, I love that you called that out because no, we don't want to get rid of them. They're all pieces of us that belong to us. They're a part of our story and, and the story that we can tell that only we can tell that's what our purpose is is to be able to tell our story and help other people through our story and there could be similar stories you know you have an enneagram journey i have an enneagram journey and and there's lots of similarities to it but there's also lots of differences and so everybody's important there's no substitutes nobody can replace you as a person or replace your story, even if 90% of the story is the same, that 10% is what makes you different. And it's going to heal someone else in the, in the world, in the community, if you allow yourself to tell it, but you can't tell it if you don't look for the pieces of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why personal growth is so much, so wrapped up in that self-awareness. You know, sometimes people, um, in the Christian faith, which is where I do a lot of my coaching and teaching is in that circle, um, have this fear of self-awareness because we think that we can, or are sometimes taught that, um, the more you learn about yourself, the less you are focusing on the sacred, right. And God, um, and I come at it. I used to think that I come at it from a completely different perspective now of, recognizing who we are, how we are, how we came to be who we are, um, is one of the ways that we uncover the sacred in us, you know, mm-hmm. the image of God. If, if, mm-hmm. you know, if you're someone who shares my faith then then you know what I mean by that? Like we were created to be special and unique and that's beautiful. But if we remove facets of ourselves, if we uncover new layers and we're like, no, that's not, I don't want that to be a part of my story because either it was painful or I don't see that as lining up with what I believe God wants for me. Um, which sidebar is so often, again, those stories we tell ourselves, like it's around the ego. Like often we think God is saying to us what we're already saying to ourselves. And so that's a beautiful thing to uncover too. Um, but I, I think that the more that we learn who we are and how we came to be like those puzzle pieces, how it all fits together, the more we can recognize what God has done, um, how, how we've moved through life to become who we are. And that's, beautiful. And it, it's, we don't want to get to surface level awareness where we throw away those pieces now yeah. because we're like, Oh, that was because of trauma. So I don't want to be like that anymore. Um, when, when in reality, the more that we understand and we heal that we can see, Oh, that's a part of making me how I am. And I can respond to life from a deeper understanding because I've been through the healing and, you know, I I understand how it's affected me. It doesn't have to affect me, this trauma or this pain, um, 
for, but, but it can inform deeper empathy and it can inform how I tell my story. So, so we can turn what we thought was a layer of trauma or a layer of hurt, which it was in reality, we can use our self-awareness and healing journey to create something beautiful out of that. And with, without on the one hand, um, making something that was big and harmful, small, right. We don't want to belittle what happened to us, but we also don't want to, uh, toss it out because it was bad, you know, cause so often the bad things that happen to us help us grow. Um, so, so like you said, like, I think that growth comes from the awareness piece that gets deeper than surface level. I think sometimes we're like, oh, that's a trauma layer. All right, throw that out. <laughs> you know, that's not the real me. It's like, well, um, we're all more nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it, it informs it the real you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I was getting my Play-Doh because I wanted to show for people who get to watch the video. <laughs> oh, as I, I took a big to... swig of water. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to show one of the illustrations that I had, but you know, when we take layers off, so here's, here's you, this is your wholeness. Um, it's a piece, it's Play-Doh for those who are listening. So I have a ball of Play-Doh here that I've rolled up into a ball. When we take those layers off, we think we're throwing them away when we think we're throwing them away, but we're not, we're really just pushing them down into our subconscious. And when we push them down, it creates these holes without the W (laughs) holes (laughs) that, um, become pits, become triggers, become, you know, sore points in our body. So we think we've thrown them away, but we really haven't. They're still there affecting us every single day. And the more we squeeze them, the more we start distorting who we are and, and not becoming ourselves, but until we become completely unrecognizable, like who am I? That's when we start asking those questions, who am I? And it's not until we start doing the work to bring those layers that we have pushed down to the surface and become more whole that we start recognizing who we really are and how we fit into the puzzle. That is such a good visual for me when I think I'm as a type seven who wants to just dismiss all this negativity and stuff, I know I'm not really dismissing it. I'm just suppressing it. I'm pushing it down somewhere so deep that I can't see it anymore. And I do that unconsciously. I don't even know that I'm doing it. So I have to put the effort into every once in a while looking to see, you know, what am I pushing down? Unfortunately for me, please tell me I'm not the only one who does this. I have to be triggered sometimes to realize that I have pushed something down. It's like nerve endings. We don't know that something will, sometimes we don't know that there's pain, um, like in a sore muscle or something, you don't realize that your muscles are sore until you use them. And then it's like, oh no. And then those nerve endings, they go to your brain and you're like, oh man, there is something here to deal with. Right. Ouch. Um, so, so no, I think. I think it's not just you. I think it's every person. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And like, I will totally overreact about something. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, why did I do that? Like, 
he totally, he being my husband, I'm sure, <laughs> totally didn't deserve that. Like, why did I fly off the handle? And then I had to look and see, you know, what did that trigger? I'm like, oh, okay. And it's almost always something within me. And so that's another reason why the Enneagram isn't a relationship tool. It's a survival tool first. And when you learn how to survive, meaning how to cope with your world. So process those emotions, Jen, don't shove them down, learn how to cope with them. So once you learn how to survive, the relationship improves automatically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I always say. And I like the way you put it because it adds more color to it and it brings it more alive. But what I always say is don't use the, the Enneagram to improve your relationships. The relationships improve when you use the Enneagram, you know, um, you know, sometimes the relationships improve and sometimes you are able to set boundaries to keep yourself safe in spite of what is happening in the relationship. But, um, you know, it depends on their motivations. Obviously relationships take two people to tend to and, and grow, but, um, you know, if you have two average people who both want the relationship to be better, if one of them is learning the Enneagram and helping themselves grow and understanding more and gaining awareness of, like you said, triggers and healing and processing and things like that, um, it will inspire growth in the relationship. Um, so, so or that's it I, will inspire termination, right? Termination of a necessary termination of a relationship. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Relationships take two people to grow. So the Enneagram is only as helpful as both people willing to do the work, um, in a relationship, but yeah, you're right. Sometimes if the Enneagram can show us that, oh, they are not in it to do anything in this relationship. So (laughs) they are not in it to win it or help it or whatever. Um, so, so I always say the same thing you did, like, it's not about you, you can't, it's not helpful to come into the Enneagram with the, your first intention being, I need to improve my relationships because sometimes that keeps a surface level yes. and that can keep us from some of the deep growth that deciding to go into it for yourself and the growth you can experience, um, can really flower in other, in relationships, or like you said, like help you terminate one <laughs> if it's time, if um, it's not healthy. Yeah. If it's not healthy. Yeah. Uh, Thank so, you for saying yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Really, really good. <laughs> we, are, we are very aligned there. Like... <laughs> That's the end. No, come back for part two of our conversation about how the Enneagram informs you on how to handle your relationships with more kindness and compassion. Even those relationships you'd rather just chuck and move on from. Unboxing Yourself helps you recognize where you need to lay down your boundaries. And that is what frees you up to unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.